Okay, now I hit the right button. Now it's recording instead of playing like a dumb-dumb. Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Top Hat Moms. Um, I'm here with Kristen, and as promised, we are going to get into her extraordinarily traumatic birth story. <laughs> so That's the way to put it. <laughs> so put it. whenever you want to um, dive into that, I feel like we should just go ahead and rip that Band-Aid. Yeah, 100%. Um, as promised... I am here to serve up a hot steaming plate of traumatic birth story um, when, my, when my oldest um, was born. Uh, we lived in College Station, Texas at the time, um, and I want to say there were maybe two hospital options then. Um, not a lot, not a lot of choices, not a lot of... Um, you know, OB providers. And then of course, not a lot that took my insurance. So it really kind of bottlenecked into, I had a couple choices and uh, with it being my first baby, um, I kind of just picked one. Um, and kind of from the start, I was, I don't necessarily know if I want to commit to using the word judged, but we'll go ahead and say it because that's the least of the problems with the rest of this story. <laughs> okay. Um, or my weight and my size. Um, and at my very first appointment with absolutely no prior testing or anything, I was put on blood pressure medication. Mm, um, yeah. Because she looked at me and said, you're going to need this. You're fat. <laughs> take yeah. these drugs <laughs> the pressure was fine and it always was fine um never had a problem with that um but that kind of and i didn't i didn't know at the time um i didn't know enough and i i didn't i didn't have enough self-awareness and enough just information and and strengthen myself to understand that that I, I wasn't being treated properly because of my size. Um, but there was mm -hmm. lots of comments, lots of treatment, lots of unnecessary just stuff, you know, that went along with the whole process. Um, I passed all of my tests with flying colors. No, absolutely no signs of, you know, ever having a blood pressure issue or having, I had no gestational diabetes. I didn't, I didn't have any problems, you know, that, that she pretty much kind of guaranteed me that I would have. She scared me into thinking that I was like guaranteed to have these awful things. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it was kind of understood that I was going to be induced. She told me that because I was big, that I was probably going to have some giant toddler sized baby. <laughs> and she was like, we can't just leave him in there forever. You know, like, he's just going to get bigger. And so she was telling me at the end that he, um, from her best estimates, I'm guessing, um, and measurements that, that she was using, she was thinking 10 and a half pounds. For Blake? Like, eh, I feel like, I feel like it's not, that's not, that's not what it's going to be. Wow. Um, should I, should I buy light up shoes now? Like, is he... <laughs> him off at pre-k like i don't i don't understand do i need newborn clothes like what the fuck but <laughs> i just buy a 2t to take him home from the hospital? <laughs> how does this work um so it was pretty preconceived notion that um i was a fat woman with who was gonna have a fat baby and you know it was the whole thing um so i was also, can we, hold on, can we just address your dog real quick? Kristen's got a very small puppy. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> I have a very small, very needy chihuahua puppy. <laughs> and he spends way too much time alone during the day, and which is my fault. So he, he punishes me um, from the time I get home from work to the time I go to bed by incessantly reminding everyone that he is, in fact, in the room. Yes. And he's not in the room, actually. I've locked him in the other room, and he's... You can still hear him. So my apologies. Uh, <laughs> it's cool. I just I just thought we maybe should acknowledge that he's going to be barking. A puppy mill. <laughs> so, um, yes. 
so sorry for that. <laughs> also, now my husband is screaming at the dog, so it's just compounding. It's just this is this is great, great. Um, <laughs> it's fucking chaos. <laughs> this is my life. My house is is pure. It's new uh, all the time. It's perfect. Um, all right, sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no fine. Um, so it was pretty much told that told to me that we're gonna have to induce you. We're just gonna have to because. You're either going to die of a heart attack during labor or your child is going to come out the size of an NBA player. And so <laughs> I was like, okay, I, you're the doctor. You know what you're talking about. Mm. Um, just tell me what I need to do. And so uh, I went in Monday night and everything was going okay, I guess. I had no prior experience, so I didn't, I didn't really know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I got Cytotech up the cervix. So that was fun. That sucks. I also yeah. had that on a string where they just like shove it in there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They just hate like, it. Just right up there. They were like, we're putting a pill in your cervix. And I was like, oh, yours was a pill? Mine yeah. was like a piece of like gauze soaked in it. And they just like shoved it into my cervix. Like almost like wound care. They're just like, oh, it was so uncomfortable. Mm-mm. No, mine was a. It was pill. It was maybe blue. mine wasn't cider tech then. Anyways, were, anyway, we're just gonna like poke it in there and leave it. And I was like, that seems totally normal. Okay, wait, 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 wait. But can I just say that I imagine like, okay, your cervix and like a pill and then like a hammer, like tapping it in, just chiseling away my middle being. Thank you so much. Um. Pitocin was started pretty much immediately, um, and around four and a half, maybe five centimeters, um, they came in and they knocked on the door and they said, "Hey, the um, anest- what do they call them? Anesthesiologist? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is next door, and they're you know like someone else is getting their medicine. Like, can we just do yours now? Because they're like super close." to your room and we don't know when they're going to be back the epidural yeah okay sorry did not clarify the epidural and so i was like are they like going on vacation like <laughs> i mean they acted like they were leaving like for the day right you know? right, right, right. We're, we're never gonna see another anesthesiologist so cool now, you know like <laughs> come one come all <laughs> trying to get him to get out from behind my hip and 
they figured out that he was actually like pretty stuck and so um his heartbeat was super erratic and they kept not being able to find him they kept saying like we can't find him on the monitors which i'm guessing they meant like his heart rate yeah probably like like, where did he go like he didn't come out like what do you mean you can't find him (laughs) he's gotta be in there somewhere so um again like i have no experience with any 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 of this so in layman's terms they were like yo this is actually pretty serious uh his heart rate is all over the place and and whatever medical terms they used they were like this is super bad and turns out we've let this go on a little bit longer than we should have um they broke my water with like what they called a knitting needle they were like, we're just going to use this knitting needle and break your water. And I was like, that sounds terrible. But so many things have been in my cervix today that I don't <laughs> think I'll notice one more. It's totally fine. Do you want to sell tickets this time? Or like, because I was also the person that they were like, hey, do you mind if 75 interns come in here and stare at your vagina? And, you know. Yeah. Like, sure, bro. Bring them in. Like, also, <laughs> everything was in your cervix except your baby. <laughs> baby, because. He got somehow lost from a very short point A to point B. Where did you... You hung a wrong turn. So, <laughs> you got stuck behind the pelvis. It's fine. Yeah, he, he he's still bad at directions to this day. <laughs> I'm like, you're left-handed. How do you not know which way's left? Poor Blakey. Um, I know, but we love him. So um, they were like, you know, we need, to, we need to get him out, like, right now. And I was like, oh, cool. Like how are you going to get him in the right place? And they were like, no, no, not like that. And I was like, I don't know if I'm really nervous or if this happens, but can I like somehow override that epidural because I can feel my feet. And they were like, oh, sometimes it, you know, it just wears off for like, maybe you're metabolizing it too quickly. And I was like, do you see me? I don't metabolize anything quickly. Like, that's some bullshit. Like, I can look at menu and gain 12 pounds like, oh I don't know. like nothing is metabolizing quickly here if that's how that works and they were like we'll figure it out on the way and i was like yeah sounds like something i would want to have concrete but it's you know what let's go it's just a short ride from this room to the or so well and also like you're trusting these doctors and nurses having no education yourself like you're trusting them to fix the problem because they tell right. you they can so some monitors were beeping and everyone got into like, let's kick this up a notch, like, like Guy Fieri. I mean, there was like, you know, Emerald and was like, bam, like everyone panicked. And I was like, son of a fuck. Okay, we're doing this. And I was like, can I just tell my mom bye? Cause she's like somewhere down the hallway. I don't know what she was doing. And they were like, there's no time. And so now I'm panicking, right? Yeah. I was just like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like we were, we were just at like a six and now we're at like a 12. Like, yeah. And So anyway, they take off hauling ass with me down the hallway, and then I see my mom. I, like, look as far back as I can, and my mom's like, I love you! Like, and then she just starts bawling. Yeah, of course! Like, should I cry? (laughs) I I literally looked up at one of the people who was, like, hauling ass down the hallway with me, and I was like, do I need to cry now? Like, is this, am I gonna be okay? Like, are we good? And they were like, everything's fine. Everything's under control. And I was like, this seems like the opposite of that, but it's cool. (laughs) So we get back there and I remember that apparently they were in a, like a bigger hurry than I thought. Cause I didn't get one of those super cool hair nets. Like my hair was just like out. And I was like, I thought I was supposed to look like a lunch lady. Like what, <laughs> what happened? And so they skipped that part and they were like, okay, prep, 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 doing, you know, whatever it is that they do. And, uh, she was like, okay one last test can you feel this and i said yes and she said no you can't and i said what yes i can't what did they do she poked me with the end of a scalpel in my like where she was gonna make a decision i almost said decision decision apparently was made (laughs) Uh, and she took the end of it and she was like you know and was like can you feel that and i was like "Uh uh-huh and she was like, no, you can't. And I was like, okay, but yes, I can. No, but really. And she was like, what about this? And went to like my hip area and poked me. And I was like, yeah, I can feel that. 
And so she went down my thigh, down like to my kneecap, like down my calf, and then poked me in the bottom of the foot. And she was like, do you feel this? Do you feel this? Do you feel this? Like, and the whole time, every time she said that was punctuated by like a little mini jab. Mm. And I was like, yeah, I can feel that. And she was like, does she still have the, I don't remember what she called it, but like the way they put the first epidural in was like still there. Mm. And yeah, it's still in. And so she said, she needs another, give her another epidural, basically. Um, but they didn't have to do the whole stabbing part, right? Like they mm-hmm. just needed. So they did. And she waited. I don't remember how much time. And honestly, it could have been three seconds. It could have been like an hour. I don't know. But I mean, I know it wasn't that, but you know what I mean? Yeah. If you were to ask me gun to head, how long did she wait? I don't know. <laughs> and it was like, okay, surely you're good. Let's do this. And I was like, okay. And she was like, so can you feel this? And did it again. And I was like, yeah, I can feel that. And she was like, again, she said, no, you can't. And I was like, why are you asking me then? Like, right, okay, right, right. She said, give her another one. And the person, I guess anesthesiologist, yes, would yeah. have been the person. Um, I remember they were up by my head and they were like, that's three in a very small time span and she was like I said what I said and she was like we have to get this baby out like now and I was like whoa 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 I'm not numb and she was like I know and she was like that's why I said another one so he was like he kind of did like a like a hands up like you're the doctor and I remember it, there being, like, a very thick, like, undercurrent of what the fuck. Hmm. From the nurses to the anesthesiologists, you know. Yeah. To the clown running the show. And uh, I was like, is this okay? Like, is that, that seems like a lot. It seems like a, that seems like a lot. Mm-hmm. A lot. Like, am I ever going to be able to feel my feet again? Like, I don't want to feel them now, but that doesn't mean I don't want to feel them in a year. Like, right. Right. Okay? And, uh... So he, he did the third one and she waited however long she needed to wait and commenced the poking again. And she was like, can you feel this? And I said, yes, I can. And she said, oh shit. And I was like, that's not good. <laughs> like that's bad, right? That's, yeah. That's- yeah. Don't say that, please. That's bad. Uh, so she said, we don't have any more time for this. So we're doing it and I was like whoa 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 whoa, whoa. I, I just told I, I I just told you I could feel everything and she was like yeah I know I heard you and I was like what do we what do we what do we do and she was like I can gas you and we'll just see when you wake up um or we can just do it and she was like but if we gas you everyone goes out in the hallway and your husband misses the entire thing and you're in here alone and I was like well that seems really unpalatable choice like I don't all I could think was I don't want to be alone and so I said I I can't be alone right now like I was scared shitless I was already it was very clear to me that this was not ideal and that Mm. things had gone very wrong yeah and um I said no I can't do that I can't I I can't be by myself and she said well then do you want something to bite on (laughs) oh my god what? what is this, like, 1840? <laughs> she was like, you want something to bite on? And in my head, I was like, are we in the Civil War and I'm about to get my leg amputated? What the like, fuck? Like, what am I going to bite? And she said, you better buckle up because this is about to be the longest six minutes of your life. And I said, I'm afraid. And she goes, we got to go now. And she said, oh, you know what? We could do a local. Oh, my God. <laughs> And I was like, I don't know what that is, but I guess, let me have it. Like, So I remember her being like, I need a syringe of whatever, you know, and they gave it to her. And so she was like, they were like right in my skin, you know, just mm-hmm. whatever a local means. I don't know, but that's what they said. It's lidocaine. And so, um, yeah, so I got some lidocaine and then she made a C-section incision with just lidocaine and uh yeah then she like did a c-section holy um, shit 
and I could feel absolutely everything and it was awful. I remember feeling like I needed to scream but being so mentally overwhelmed that I couldn't mm-hmm. and I remember saying I'm gonna throw up, I'm gonna throw up, I'm gonna throw up and I don't remember a whole lot after that. I, I, at some Jesus. point I blacked out um, and I woke up and was in a different room and everyone had seen my baby except for me mm, yeah. which made me really angry like yeah. all the things to be angry about um no that's that's anger inducing for sure uh-huh and uh i just don't have i still don't have those missing pieces like i know that I remember needing to scream. I remember saying, I'm going to vomit. I'm going to throw up. I'm going to throw up. I remember blacking out. I remember waking up, not having my baby on me or knowing if he was okay. And my first thoughts, I I was just like, is he alive? Is he alive? Is he alive? Like, that's all I could say. Mm. It was like no time passed. You know, I was just like, is he alive? You know? Um, Jesus. And, uh. Yeah, they they were like, oh yeah, he's actually fine. We gave him to dad, who took him to see the family, and I'm just like, like, why didn't you save him for me? But, um, yeah, and they then I I got you know willed to recovery and didn't I was pretty disassociated at that point. Like, I was yeah, like, what is it? where am I? Who am I? What just happened? God. Um, significant role in my absolutely traumatic like roller coaster entry into motherhood and I I like to think it's a big contributing factor of why I was drowning in postpartum depression uh yeah like that shit first of all your story delivered <laughs> that shit was traumatic as fuck I don't know how and why I don't know this that was story. really funny like my story delivered <laughs> You're so bad. Um, But yeah, I don't know how I don't know that story already, but I'm super glad that I got to have a raw reaction to it because holy shit, that is really terrifying. And, you know, going back to having education and knowledge, like you didn't have any of that. You don't fucking know what's going on. You just expected them to make the best decisions for you. And here we are. <laughs> like, thank God you're alive. But holy shit. Yeah, like, what a traumatic mm-hmm. experience. Jesus. That sucks, dude. I'm real sorry that you had to go through that. I, uh, yeah, no, same. Um, a lot of people are like, and you had another one? Like, <laughs> right? <laughs> not in the hospital or that town or that doctor. Like, everything was completely completely different um there are very few pictures of Blake in his first like week or two of life where he isn't wearing a hat because he had um a deformity of his skull that we weren't sure if it was going to go away um because they allowed him to stay pushed up against whatever it was in my body that he was stuck up against um and his head like the top of his head actually had two levels like it went there was a very steep drop off and then it went holy shit forehead like it i'll have to find i'll have to find a picture and show you because i have some pictures that i took like just to kind of protect myself like medically if something went wrong i was like i'm gonna sue your pants off like wow what's wrong with my child's head oh well that shit's definitely going on the instagram page (laughs) but it definitely definitely, like it did go away thankfully Um, wow but yeah i mean there was there were moments where I was like, is he even going to be okay? Is he going to be quote unquote normal? Is he, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, yeah. Yeah, so. dude. That's crazy. Like, mm-hmm. holy shit. Thank you so much for sharing that atrocity of a fucking birth story. Holy Christ. Yeah. I'm super thankful for mine now. Um, but that being said, I think that gives us a great little segue into, um, a topic that I think is super important to discuss. Um, 
And that is about the racial disparities that there is in maternal health. And more specifically, like, in deliveries, you know? I mean, there's definitely disparities in the prenatal care, but um, in deliveries and, you know... I'm not going to say, thank God you're a white woman, but thank God you're a white woman, because honestly, like, it could have been a lot different. Unfortunately, um, you know, the CDC did a study and people of color, so that includes Asian, Black, Hispanic, um, and like Pacific Islanders, that whole group is two to three times more likely to die from like wrongdoings I guess or you know labor problems um at the time of birth and then when you look at women specifically over the age of 30 which I know people in their 20s have kids a lot of them do but I think a lot more women especially now are waiting until their 30s but that goes up to four to five times more likely to die in childbirth after 30 which is just insane to me like it doesn't it doesn't compute when you consider the fact that most of these deaths are preventable like mm-hmm. like hemorrhaging is a big one and that's able to be stopped one way or the other whether you've got to take the uterus out or you know xyz i'm not a doctor but You know, there's so many things that are just treated differently in women of color. And in the year 2023, it's disgusting. It is just disgusting. Um, Yeah, I mean, it, it just is very discouraging, I guess. And when you think about how many women are having babies, the thought of of having a higher risk just because of their skin color? Like, how does that make sense to people? Like, how is that? I don't know. I don't know. I'm very passionate about it. Especially when you get um, into those numbers like four times more likely, five times more likely. Right. Those numbers are, it's, it's, I don't, I don't, you know, like I said, there's not a lot of times where I don't have words, but I don't. <laughs> I am struggling right now coming up with a word that can portray just the sadness like and and confusion and need for answers. Right. Because not only is it is it sad and it's heartbreaking for those families, but like it's disgusting. The fact that this is happening and it's preventable, obviously not everything is preventable. I know that, you know that, whatever. But Baylor University, actually, funny enough, out there in Texas. Um, So Baylor University Hospital actually did a study and the disparity between black women and white women when it came to hemorrhaging post-delivery absolutely 100% disappeared when they standardized care and they worked around this health equality framework that they built specifically for this study it disappeared. There was no disparity when everybody was working the exact same way with the exact same thing. So again, like disgusting. <laughs> Infuriating. Absolutely. Absolutely. What, what are, I guess, and this is true ignorance, like it's the definition of me being ignorant of this subject, like <laughs> what is, keep, what is keeping that wait, like everything being the same the control group you know like everything being the same why isn't that the standard everywhere all the time like what stops that yeah you know um i am not a great person for this so i have we know somebody who is. i have somebody here that's going to give us a little bit more understanding um, she's a very good friend of mine. She's also the founder and CEO of Burv Coach, which I'll let her kind of discuss that. Um, a very skilled midwife and a super badass mom to a super awesome kid, Dr. Amanda Zimmerman. Hello. Hello. How are you? 
I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for coming on today to discuss this topic with us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I want to take a selfish. I want to take a selfish. Oh my god. I want to know. I want to know. I want to know what you thought about very broad, like overreaching about my story. Absolutely. Ugh, disgusting. And horrible. Selfish is closed. Thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> but so sorry you had to go through that. That was, I mean, terrible. Okay. And sounds like it, it was definitely mismanaged. Mm-hmm. Just a little bit. Just a smidge, yeah. <laughs> Just a skosh. <laughs> All right. So, Amanda, do you want to first kind of tell us about Verve Coach? I mean, I have a little bit of an idea, but I feel like you... But, so I need, like, explain like I'm Kristen pregnant. needed you when she was pregnant. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did. Yes. Well, so I've been a midwife for some years. Um, eight years, actually, I think. Um, and Amanda, the other Amanda and I worked together for several years at an OBGYN office. She was Amanda number two and I was Amanda number three because there were three of us who worked there. <laughs> so and ridiculous. Never one Amanda at any, at any <laughs> given time. Someone to be Amanda number one. Yeah. Yes, it was neither of us. <laughs> it was neither of us. Dude. It was Amanda Got Sims. To be fair, she earned she earned that number one title though. She was a badass too. As long as it was all you know, it, like everyone's on the same page about it. Then. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. No, for sure, for sure, for sure. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so I've just been honestly very burnt out um, and frustrated with our healthcare system um, to the upteenth extreme. <laughs> um, there's a lot of ways that we are not meeting people where they are, giving them what they need. There's been a push in the organization I work at lately that is very focused on seeing more people, get them in, get them out, drop more charges, you know, seeing more people means that you have less time with them. There's an educational barrier and, and all of this. So there's definitely gaps as far as education and also support. Um, I started noticing a few years ago that there were a lot of patients coming through who had symptoms of anxiety and depression, um, specifically when this pandemic was, you know, kind of in, in full swing and mm-hmm. isolation and just, I mean, a lot of, a lot of stressors on top of the chaos that was going on in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got my doctorate degree last year and I really focused on that sector of medicine, PMADS, which is perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. And I was like, oh, these people need support as well as knowing what the heck is going on. (laughs) So I formed a company just to kind of fill those gaps. So we do coaching and then online classes, um, different courses and whatnot, just to kind of meet people where they are and and help in that way mm-hmm. without it being medical advice. Kind of like, okay. you know, your good friend's a midwife. She's not going to be giving you medical advice, but, you know, you can bounce things off of her. You can pick her brain. Okay. And she can, yeah, she can. That's very cool. Yeah. So is it all through Instagram right now? We've got Instagram. We've got a TikTok and a Facebook. But um, 
I'm probably more active on Instagram. Okay. And then it's kind of dispersed elsewhere. And then we have a website and an email list and all of that as well. So. Very cool. Very cool. So yeah. if you guys want to check her out, I feel like everybody needs that unless you... Well, you know, honestly, even if you have the education, because I feel like when it's you, it's different than when it's somebody else. So that's Verve Coach. You can find her Instagram, Facebook, TikTok online <laughs> if you need it all right so let's dig into the nitty-gritty of today um so what are your i mean i guess just surface thoughts um you can definitely go a little deeper on your thoughts as far as the racial disparities what have you noticed um any any changes that could be made that you think are p possible yeah and i'm really glad that this has gotten attention over the last few years especially um <laughs> sorry Kristen just went to the closet <laughs> so we have a scenery change the dog was like ah! and then my husband was like oh i'm gonna kill you it's like let's not have that <laughs> and then i was like in real time um so i can't anyways i'm in the closet that's all you all right well don't spend too much time in the closet it's not fun to come out when you've been in there too long lesbian <laughs> <laughs> all right back to maternal health you bitches yes so it's a problem it's like a legit problem and i'm glad it's being talked about um have you guys seen that documentary that came out i think it was last year on i think it was netflix um called aftershock no i haven't even heard of it maybe really good you should watch it okay um because it, it's focused on this primarily, which is which is really helpful. But we've got this issue, and it's just getting worse over the years. Um, I live in Georgia right now, and we have the worst rates of maternal mortality in the whole country. Oh, shit. And our country as a whole kind of sucks as well. We are number 55 of all the countries in the world which is the lowest when compared to other developed countries. I was going to say, as as a not third world country, that seems very shitty. Yeah. yeah. Terrible. That's embarrassing. It is <laughs> hella so embarrassing. It's terrible, terrible. Um, so it's like we have this system that's already broken and the foundation is, you know, weak and crumbling. And then we have particularly black women who are at the biggest disadvantage in all of this, mm -hmm. who, as you said, are three times more likely to die during pregnancy, birth, or in that first year after as the white women who are in that same broken system. Yeah. And so it's adding insult to injury, for sure. I had done, in my doctorate program, we had done a, a policy review on the maternal um, mortality issue here in Georgia. And the country's rates I found very shocking and the increase over the last couple years. So the rates are per 100,000 births is how they report them. Okay. So in 1990, the rates of maternal mortality, which is death, we've got morbidity and mortality. So mor morbidity is like disease, illness, injury, mortality is death. death. Like Gotcha. Okay. Like... <laughs> Like final, like dead, dead. Yes, like can't can't get any any worse than that. Can't get any deader. So in 1990, the rate was 12, and then in 2015 it was 14. So not like a crazy jump in those 15 years. Yeah. 2015 not being very long ago, and then in 2020 we're at 23.8, which is a huge jump. Yeah. Does Do you think that COVID had anything to do with that? Or does this like not include that at all? There was some COVID um, in this. The rates had like sharply increased during okay. the pandemic years. Sure. Um, not necessarily from COVID directly. Some of it was pre-existing conditions or exacerbated by COVID. Gotcha. Okay. Um, so kind of, you know, indirectly and then, you know, dealing with the yeah. Not that it's not COVID. that it's like an excuse or makes it better, but I was just curious. Um, yeah, yeah. What role sure. that played? And then, as you said, you know, most of these cases are completely preventable. Um, 
most as in more than 80% per the CDC, which is the vast majority. Yeah. Yeah. Which is amazing. Heart conditions are one of the most common. So people with their their high blood pressure that can lead to preeclampsia and eclampsia, um, heart attacks, stroke. People can get cardiomyopathy, which is where the heart muscle actually weakens. Well, That's and black common. women are more likely to have heart conditions as well, aren't they? Yeah, even as a baseline. Wow, yeah. Shit. Yeah. It is. Then we've got, you know, sepsis and hemorrhage and it's it's just a mess. And they have even identified suicide as a leading cause of maternal mortality Damn. in that first year postpartum as well. Wow. That's that's devastating. That is mm-hmm. super devastating. It's very complex and very compounded and I think we are paying attention to it far too late, but yeah. I'm glad that it's finally happening. Right, for sure. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of overwhelming to think about because it's like, oh my God, like, you know, this is such a mess. How do you even begin to. Right. Like, where do you it? start? Yeah. God. I mean, I feel like the first step is definitely talking about it and, and bringing more people into the light. <laughs> like. Uh-huh. To, to understand and to recognize, like, you know, it, I really don't, like, want to bring politics into this. But if you think about the BLM movement and the Black Lives Matter movement, like, there's, there's something to be said about them being treated, them as in Black people in general, as, like, second-class citizens. And then this just amplifies that because this isn't crime related this isn't you know whatever else you want to blame it on this is like medicine this is medical this is preventable this is these are people's lives that you could be saving and they're just not being saved and it's just so disheartening to yeah to think about well and it's it's backed by, I would think, more rigorously controlled empirical data. You yeah. know, I, I think that um, it can we can play fast and loose with percentages all day long. I can say I ate fifty percent more pie today than I did yesterday, right? Like, I didn't. I wish I had a pie to stress eat, but I don't. Um, <laughs> who stress eats pie? <laughs> the fuck? Who stress eats pie? What do you stress eat? Cookies or cake? Or mashed potatoes or mac and cheese. I was going to say those are in the same family as pie, but then you lost me at mashed potatoes. <laughs> Although you could make those into <laughs> But what the point that I was getting at is I feel like there has to be like a stricter like level of standards right like when it comes to medical like medical data is so important and so like kind of just ingrained into the infrastructure of what we used to refer to ourselves as one of the greatest countries in the world right Hmm. um i roll um but you can't poke as many holes in medical scientific data data yeah, as yeah. you can you know some ridiculous post on facebook you know right. what i mean so like you hello oh hey coco excuse you that was rude <laughs> um you you can't say well that can't be true or that's not real or that's inflated you know um not with all the just the standards and the record, like just the record keeping that goes into it when it comes down to medical medical data. I just the numbers are there, right? Mm-hmm. And, and there's so much. Yeah, there's so much, and people kind of make me crazy because science is science. It's not personal, right? You know, it's not trying to hurt your feelings or make you feel bad. Like it's it's neutral. It's just data. Yeah, it just is what it is. It's our job to try to figure out what that data means, if there are correlations. And then when there's a problem identified, like this one that is clearly an absolute crisis in our healthcare system, what do we do about it? 
Mm -hmm. How do we fix it? Where are the holes? You know, they used to think that socioeconomic status was a big part of this, but they've done studies where they've controlled for that. And they've seen that the richest black women have higher maternal mortality rates than the poorest white women. And not only the mothers, but that those babies, the black babies within the first year of life have a higher chance of dying. I believe it's twice as much as the poorest white women. And it's like, that's just completely unacceptable. It's unforgivable and it can't be rationalized in a way that justifies it. Right. Absolutely. Well, and like that, that study at Baylor, like when they standardized everything for a study, that discrepancy went away. And so how are you going to sit there and say that it's not like the people in medicine when you standardize care specifically for a study? So like people are watching you and you know, you have to be on your P's and Q's and that shit goes away. And now all of a sudden you stop the study and black women are dying at a higher rate again. Like almost like being on your best behavior while the teacher's in the room exactly you mess around once they've once they've left right and like why you know yeah it's just it's really it's sad when you think about just this nation in general like back so so many years ago when everything was segregated and and black people were treated less than and I just don't feel like we ever rose above that to give a shit enough. And it's the year 2023 and people are finally talking about it. Like, come on, Mm -hmm. you know, it's just sad. Yeah. And the world of OBGYN specifically has a very dark past, especially in regards to black women. You know, you've got James Marion Sims, who is referred to as the father of modern gynecology, which makes me sick that he has been given a title like that. Mm. Have you guys heard of him? Um, no, but also can we talk about the fucking patriarchal system where a man is the father of modern gynecology? <laughs> yes, I didn't even think about that, but you're absolutely right. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry, go ahead. No, I have never... Go here. <laughs> Um, yes, you, you can't even do it. No, no opinion. <laughs> that would fix a lot of our, our current day issues as well. <laughs> Did he also invent the speculum because he should be in hell for that? I don't know, actually. It had to be man. It had to be. Had to have been. But this Along with the three, this won't hurt at all. That was all <laughs> <laughs> All right, sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. You find so this man, the father of modern gynecology, what he did is he took these <clears throat> enslaved black women and he did gynecologic surgeries on them, many of them experimental. And it was justified with the thought that black people in general do not feel pain the same way as white people did. So he's doing all these experimental procedures on these enslaved black women and he is not giving them pain medication. He's not giving them any anesthetic. That's and disgusting. And they give him this title of the father of the father of modern gynecology. That's disgusting. Actually, that was sometime. Oh, I'm going to show how much I don't know my history. They may not have been enslaved. This was sometime in the 19th century. It doesn't. <laughs> let's but just say it doesn't even matter. Like yeah. the fact that there was this notion that black people didn't feel any pain so you can do whatever you want with them regardless if they feel pain or not get out of her vagina like what i'm still floored at the black people don't feel pain the same way white people feel like are they fish like what how how can you that is so i can't wrap my brain around that thought process Mm -hmm. like i i can't i just can't i just can't and this took place however long ago, 100 years, whatever. It was sometime in the 19th century. I don't know when. Mm-hmm. But there was a study that was done in 2016 at the University of Virginia. Mm-hmm. And it was looking at implicit bias, which oh. is where people have a bias and they're not like consciously aware of it. Yeah. And these researchers 
dealt with white medical students at this university Mm -hmm. and they gave them different opinions, different thoughts from the past like this, like black people don't feel as much pain. Their nerve endings are not as sensitive. Their skin is thicker. The other one was like, um, their immune system stronger so they can fight things off on, on their own better. In 2016, which is not very long ago, 73% of these white medical students truly believed one of those things. Are you serious? Yes. That is disheartening. Yes. Wow. Cassidy. Call yes. Cassidy, call absolutely. Cassidy, indeed. Oh my God. Another one about um, blood clots too. Like they, they thought that black people's blood clots faster than anybody else's. Now, so, I, it's horrible. I do wonder, not that it's correct, but I do wonder if maybe because black people are much, much more prone to sickle cell, if that maybe played a role in the clotting thing. Still inaccurate, but like the knowledge that black people are much more likely to have sickle cell anemia, um, again, not justified, just devil's advocate trying to figure out why the fuck people have stupid stupid minds mm-hmm. and persisting into this last decade even our, our rising physicians right Ugh, yeah. it's disgusting yeah. and then you know you've got even outside of the OBGYN world you've got the Tuskegee Institute experiments you've got yeah. Henrietta Lacks so there's deeply rooted trauma yeah in you know population it's like no wonder that some people are mistrusting of the medical system and of providers right and and then they see things like this in in the media i had a patient today who i saw for her initial prenatal visit and she said the media is very scary and i know that you can't believe everything that you see but is it true that black women like myself are three times as likely to die during pregnancy or birth and I said, it is. We had a little discussion about it. And I said, but I'm so glad that you had never heard this before. It was never on your radar, never a concern for you consciously. And because it's being talked about and there's some advocacy for it mm-hmm. and some public attention that it's it's making its way out there. Absolutely. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm glad that, that you're seeing her <laughs> because, yeah. you know, I mean... To, to have somebody that you know and you trust and can feel safe with, I think is so important. And then you add this factor for black women that there is this higher chance of them dying or their babies dying or getting care from people that don't give a shit and don't want to hear it. Don't They don't think that there's actually a problem. And it's like, bro, you can look at the the numbers and it's very clearly a problem and it's something that definitely needs to be not only talked about but fixed like this mm-hmm. needs to be fixed because it's not okay i mean yeah. it's just not it's not the implicit bias definitely is a good starting point i think i know in nursing and move free school both for me there was some discussion about it not very much you know like a, a class or something yeah but I have heard that they are kind of bringing that into <clears throat> different programs in medical schools more often, but, you know, people to really, you know, not take it personally, but to really explore if they may have any of that within themselves. Well, yeah, like recognize that there's a problem and fix it instead of just mm-hmm. fighting it. That's what I really struggle with, especially when it comes to <sighs> racism you know, of today. Like, just call yourself out. If you say things or you think things that are racist, you don't have to say it out loud. But like, if you notice a bias that you have, call it out in yourself. Like, that's the only way that things are going to get better is if people are honest with themselves and they strive for that change. Like, it is what it is. We were born in the South. We were raised in the South. The only thing we can do now is better. And... If you're going to sit there and you're going to stay within your comfort zone, if it's a toxic comfort zone, you should get the fuck out. Like, I have to do that. I mean, 
no shame, I definitely call myself out and I make it a point to do research and to find out everything that I can and like the racial disparities in medicine. Like that's only a minuscule part of the problem as far as like race in this country goes. So, you know, I think it's important for everybody to recognize it and whether you act on your racist thoughts or not, I think it's important for you to change your mindset. Yeah, for sure. It's part of being a responsible, conscious, decent human. Human, (laughs) right. Like, legit. This aspect of systemic racism that is probably the biggest contributor to this issue to begin with absolutely it can permeate everything you know Mm. especially in healthcare. but it literally can begin before birth because these babies have a higher risk of preterm delivery of low birth weight of stillbirth Mm. and then it can literally follow them throughout their lifetime until they die you know well into their old age their adulthood i mean the life expectancy even for black women is less than that of white women and it is yeah. thought that some of these health conditions are partly because of the ongoing compounding effect of this, you know, system of racism that we have in our country. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just how exhausting mm-hmm. must it be? You know, how privileged are we that we don't have to worry about that? You know, it yeah. just, and that's the other thing. Every guy, everybody has white privilege. Like, it is what it is. We can't, we can, we don't have to have those talks with our kids. We don't have to have those fears. We don't, we don't have to worry about nearly as much as a person of color does. And it's, it's really sad. I mean, it, it's very sad. It's very sad. And it's interesting to see this dynamic over the last few years in our country because there's so much conversation happening. There's so many people who are committed to social justice advocacy, and then you got others who are willfully ignorant, maybe in denial, you know, the woke deniers or whatever they are. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And it's like, that's the starting point. You know, it's, you know, you have to first acknowledge and recognize that there's a problem. Right. Recognize, acknowledge it. And then you can start working first on yourself. And then, you know, as as part of the collective to, to improve it. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a very, very good point. I think what's sticking out to me is the inverse relationship between the numbers that you mentioned like way way back but how are the numbers getting worse the more advanced right medicine is yeah as a society and the more advanced medicine in general is supposed to be and and especially maternal fetal medicine you know um you one would assume that as the years go by, things would be getting better and better and better. So how mm-hmm. are numbers getting worse and worse and worse? And that's so telling. So telling. The CDC does recognize that there are different factors that can contribute. Although I think it's pretty well recognized and accepted that racism is is the biggest thing racism and implicit bias but they do recognize that there's variation in quality health care there's people with underlying chronic conditions that can have an effect and then their big one is the structural racism and the implicit bias yeah absolutely acts like a duck and it waddles like a duck or whatever they say then it's a duck right (laughs) right exactly and you know i mean there's no point in getting angry at somebody calling you out about it you know i i've called people out about their their racism that you know i don't even think that they recognize and then they just get angry and argue and it's like 
I'm not trying to make you feel bad. Sometimes I am if it's real bad, but you'll know. You'll know if I'm trying to make you feel bad. I will hurt your feelings in a heartbeat. But um, if I'm just trying to educate people, like, you know, actually saying that is actually kind of a racist thought, people get so butthurt about it. Like, I'm not trying to make you mad. I'm trying to help you understand. You know what I mean? And like, I'm clearly not the expert on it, but I've gotten to a point in my life where, and especially having a child, I care a lot more <laughs> about other people. You know, I care. It, it's hard, hard for me to think about preventable deaths of other women, other mothers, kids having to grow up without their parents, or, you know, these moms that are losing their babies within the first year from stuff that could be prevented. Like, it's just heartbreaking. So I think everybody needs to just stop getting fucking butt hurt, recognize that there's a problem, and just try to move fucking past it and learn from it. Like, it just is what it is, you know? You know, it's a big ask from the general public when... White people, man. <laughs> the, the vast majority of, of people, uh, no matter how educated someone may be book-wise, um, the level of self-awareness across the board <clears throat> is pretty low. That's fair. Us and our little podcast are going to change the fucking world, though. You know what? We can chip away at it, and we can change our corner of it, and we can do what we can do. Yes, and we will. Even just making someone think, you know, yeah. putting that little seed in their mind. And that's all it I'm takes. an article and them saying, holy shit, that's insane. Right. Mm -hmm. That's, that's all it takes. That's clearly a problem. Yeah. Just think about it. Mm-hmm. Sad. Sad, For sad, sad. Anyways, well, ladies, it's been over an hour, which has no been... Way. Yes, it has. It's been super lovely, but I am tired, and I know you guys are all tired, too. Kristen, maybe not so much you, because it's only, like, 9 o'clock there. Um, are you tired? You're still tired, aren't you? Yeah, I'm tired. I'm tired again. stuck in the closet, also. <laughs> tell you that much. It's time to come out of the closet. I'm tell you that for free. You like Bluey? That's what the dad says on Bluey all the time. I'll tell I... you that for free. I love that show. I know. I watch it without my kids. Oh, okay. I'm not that crazy. I just willingly watch it with Highland. <laughs> well, Amanda has a teenager, so she doesn't watch Bluey, probably. Unless... Yeah, Bluey was after our time. We did, like, Yo Gabba Gabba. And... Mm. Unless you want to willingly watch it, apparently. It's, um, it's all it the rage. It's a good show. It's all the rage now. <laughs> All right, well, Amanda, Dr. Zimmerman. Gosh, it's so Woo! weird to call you that. Do you make everyone call you Doc? No, you don't, because I can tell you have a great spirit. And yeah, no, she's not like us. <laughs> I would I would make my own mom call me doctor if I was a doctor. She oh, would be yeah. like, Kristen, and I would be like, excuse me. It's Dr. Kuby. <laughs> I know, I told my husband when I graduated, I was like, I'm going to have you change my mail so it says doctor. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I haven't. Poor Tiller. He's so good to you. He's too good to me. I don't deserve him. Yeah, that's probably true. That I don't think any of us deserve our partners. <laughs> well, I don't know. Amanda, you're a pretty nice person, comparatively. Kristen and I are kind of garbage, so... <laughs> Speak for yourself. No, I find it very refreshing when when people who have doctorate degrees are so humble about it because I would not be. I would be an absolute jack wagon. Which is why your ass didn't go to school and get a doctorate degree. You right. I know. Um, my children would have to call me Doctor Mom before I would answer their questions. Oh my god, like, Brady would not do that. Brady doesn't do anything he doesn't want to do. Yeah, well, he's the the youngest. He's the baby, so he ain't got to do it. I, I'm uh, I'm about to come out the closet. Oh, good for you. <laughs> this is a safe space, bro. <laughs> I'm tired of being in here. I'm leaving. Amanda, not you. 
it was very nice to meet you and i'm very thankful for getting to learn actual like sciencey information like and not just you know conjecture and and sometimes it's nice to have science-based facts you know instead of yeah. just, uh, sitting around talking shit so that was very refreshing and it was a great idea i'm really glad you were here Okay. It was well, my then. idea, so. And we're buds now. Yeah. Whatever. I'm her favorite, though. Not you, bitch. Also, you're in Texas. You can't have friends over here anyway, so. <laughs> okay, leaving the closet. Okay, bye. Amanda, thank you so much for being here. We loved it. Thank, thank you. you. Bye, okay. guys.